had been asked loads of questions from the obscure to the reasonable. So I really used that as a baseline. And lo and behold, I mean, it wasn't very surprising to me. (laughs) A lot of those questions were all asked and they were like, yeah, no, I'm really getting asked these questions. I was like, oh, yes, I know. I've been doing this on my own for a couple of years now and I do know what the questions are. So that adds a layer to that in-person experience and engagement where somebody can poke around on a website, but as long as it's a very easy, user-friendly website, they can really get the information that they want. They can see the photos and things like that. But there is that added layer to an in-person experience that is super unique. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Catherine Sprung, founder and owner of Squish Marshmallows and host of Irate with Catherine Sprung. Catherine is a serial self-taught entrepreneur who has learned how to DJ, create and produce her podcast, become a pastry chef, and produce video content. Throughout the years, Catherine and Squish Marshmallows have been featured on Hallmark Channel, in Money, Forbes, on the Food Network, in Seventeen, and many, many others. Catherine was named a finalist for Best Dessert at the 2015 Vendi Awards and won Food Network's Chop Sweets in 2020. Catherine currently lives in New York City, soaking in all the city has to offer. With a passion for food, you can find her exploring all of the amazing food and beverages around town and often documenting all of the adventures through social media. Listen in and hear how Catherine has taken her entrepreneurial spirit and utilized it to propel her to great success following her passions. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I am with Catherine Sprung. Yes, Catherine Sprung, another Sprung, founder and owner of Squish Marshmallows and host of Irate with Catherine Sprung. So in full disclosure, let's get this out of the way right away. We are not related to our knowledge. It just so happens we were introduced by somebody who, at first, I don't even think they realized we had the same name and then kind of put it together. But here we are. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, and small world, but always delightful to meet a fellow Sprung. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't happen very often, does it? It, it, it doesn't, doesn't, no. <laughs> so that was probably also the first and only time I've ever said just that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So listen, just to give our listeners some background, can you tell and share with us your path to starting Squish Marshmallows and subsequently the Irate with Catherine Sprung podcast? So for me, I actually do not have a formal culinary background, similar to a lot of other food entrepreneurs who I've met over the years. That's kind of a, a kinship, uh, you know, and some, something, a bond that we all have to each other because we look to each other as well to learn from one another and act as sounding boards. So for myself, I started a company kind of obscurely from a food blog that I was writing just purely as a passion project, just for fun, and eventually started to incorporate some of my own recipes in there for additional content. This is also very pre 
Instagram food right. blogger days where people were really trying to monetize off of this. This was really just just for fun for me to play around. Enjoyment. Exactly. The purest form. So for me, I wasn't monetizing and I was going out mostly reviewing other other locations. And, you know, at a point you're like, all right, this is kind of costing a lot of money. So what free things can I add in for content and recipes was that for me? I've always loved cooking and baking and food in general and found a recipe for marshmallows one day and was like, this is like a science experiment. I have never done this before. And something, you know, I'm not going to say that that lightning struck, but something was so fun and interesting to me about it. And the fact that this was such an incredible blank canvas for so much opportunity for flavors and textures that I wasn't familiar with or seeing. So I created my own recipe and then started to do some really fun flavors and gave them to friends and family to try and be my, you know, my recipe testers. And I really didn't wait too long until I thought, let's turn this into a company. <laughs> and so I did. But of course, you know, I had to ask a lot of questions how to start. You know, it's, I don't come from a business background. So, I really wasn't familiar with that. And I didn't come from a food background, so really wasn't familiar with that. So on paper, I have no business doing this, but <laughs> I really wanted to and love the challenge and love learning as I go. The podcast actually stemmed years into the business, into Swish Marshmallows, kind of just commiserating with other business owners, you know, off, off the record. And more specifically, commiserating over review platforms, online review platforms, be it the Yelps and Googles and Facebook, and how crazy that whole system was and how it can affect a business and how people who haven't even frequented or tried your product can still leave reviews. And it's extremely hard to get some taken down and all the intricacies yes. of that. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to have you know a show? I love talking with people and hearing their stories. So wouldn't that be fun to actually put my degree in, in broadcast journalism a bit into use and do a show where we get to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of the business of the owner in the hospitality industry and bring some levity to it, but also some insight into what leaving a review actually does and how that plays into the back end of a business and business owner as well. So is I rate a uh, play on words? Is it I rate and then I rate meaning you mad also? You yeah. Got so it. it is a play on words. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're very happy with the happy reviews. You're just the I rate reviews are uh, the ones that are troubling at times, right? Of course. And, you know, those are typically the ones that make for better and more interesting and comical content. And, there's always, of course, touch on the beautiful and the shining moments because you do need to bring some levity to it. We sure. don't want it to just to be some negative show, but there is that comedic value to it where these are real reviews that we're reading right. from their pages. And some of them are so outlandish and it is crazy. And understanding too, there, the funny thing is for me, I didn't realize that there would be, but there really is kind of an educational component to this in learning uh, the different algorithms and the different strategies that a lot of these groups have to 
trying to sell to you to get higher in rankings and things like that and yeah, pay to play system and things like that. And so it is interesting to shed a little light into that as well, but more so it, it was kind of a, a source of therapy, I think, for myself yeah. and for my fellow yeah, business but, owners. Yeah. yeah, I think Amazon, one of the reasons how they changed was because of that whole review system is they've kind of implemented this place where I believe you can't really review something unless you've actually purchased the product through their platform, which a makes verified it a, reviewer, yeah, verified purchaser, whatever they yeah, call it. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. It's kind of tough, I guess, to do that in the food world because how are you going to verify that this person ate there and ate at that time? It's a lot more difficult. So, you know, like you said, it opens you and all the other people in that space to a situation where anybody can write anything about anything they want, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Absolutely. And it has an impact. There are people that specifically are looking at those reviews to make a decision on where they're going to go, where they're going to purchase, and where they're going to uh, eat. And that's where social media, the crossing of the positive and the negative kind of intersect right there. Absolutely. And I would be lying if I said that I'm not guilty of kind of following that same path, you know, if you are shopping anywhere and they do have a star system, are you going to purchase something with the three stars? Or are you going to purchase something with the five stars? Right. Of course, you also look and if it's one person that rated it five stars, okay. But, but if they have equal footing and you kind of can choose, where are you going? Right. So in the opposite sense of some of these other platforms where, to your point, you cannot verify and you don't know if these people have actually been there, tried it, anything, it is challenging, especially for maybe some businesses who can't really get a lot of reviews. Those few reviews that they do have are so valuable. And if yeah. just a couple bad eggs get in there, it really spoils the lot. So it's tough, but the show was kind of just really to share those stories and bring a little levity to a maybe a not ideal situation. Yeah. Now you said you had a background in broadcasting before you launched Squish and went into the entrepreneurial world and had the podcast. What were you doing before that? Unrelated as well. Um, so I, <laughs> I graduated right into a hiring freeze, which was just wonderful. And I was well, at that time, I was about to say I was currently, but at that time, I was interning with ABC News. And so I thought, well, isn't that how internships work? You intern somewhere, you do a great job, and then you get and then you get a Hired. job there. Yeah, yeah. Sure. nobody from our <laughs> intern lot got got any offers. And it wasn't because any of us weren't fabulous interns or anything like that. There were just no job openings. And so I did what I thought I had to do. And and. Uh, genuinely wanted to do. I started waiting tables. And that was my first foray into the hospitality industry. I knew that I chose and wanted to stay to live in one of the most expensive cities <laughs> in the world and knew that at that time, times right now are quite different, but at that time, serving in the restaurant and beverage industry was one of Surprisingly, one of the most lucrative things that you could really do where you could also leave work behind and not get email when requests done, in the middle of the, that's it. You clock right. in, you clock out, you have the cash in your pocket and you go about your life and your day. And so I did that. And honestly, that, you know, part of me wish I could have done something with that, with the, with my experiences. Who knew that later flash forward to owning a business and, and then with the podcast that it would almost 
come a bit full circle with your different interactions with different guests in your restaurants right. and things like that. And the beautiful souls that would walk in and treat you with, with respect and dignity. And then the other people that yeah. treat you very less than. Too bad you can't review the customers, huh? Oh, wouldn't that be <laughs> something? That'd be really interesting, right? We should start an app like that right now. Run to the patent office. I know like VRBO <laughs> does it, right? You have somebody rent your house. They, you, the, as That's the true. owner, you get to review the guest. The guest gets to review you. It's a mutual rating. So they release them both at the same time. Maybe we should do that for the uh, hospitality industry and get them an, uh, an inkling as to who's staying at their hotel or their bed and breakfast or eating at their restaurant, right? I am very much on board. <laughs> <laughs> you have my attention, That's yes. <laughs> so let's pivot for a minute. I would never have thought that marshmallows, right? I, you know, If you said to me, I'm going to open up a business with marshmallows, I'd be like, hey, I like marshmallows. I just, how many marshmallows can you sell, right? And I would never have thought that they were as versatile as they could be because I've looked at the types and what you had available. What are some of the craziest items you've ever created with that marshmallow concept? Sure. I think for me personally, and it's not to say that you have to have a brick and mortar retail location at all. If anything, if anything, you know, if we've learned anything, at least through 2020, it's that e-commerce is extremely sustainable model, but that's not to say that, that there still isn't a need and a desire for, for retail as well. But I think one thing that was great about it for me was it gave me a platform and the kind of ability to play and present in a very quick turnaround. So if I came up with a concept or idea, I could literally put it out to the shop as soon as it was okay to put out and really get some some market research there, see how people gravitated or not to it, whether that be flavors or items. But of course, you can put the flavors online, ship those nationwide as well. I think one of the craziest flavors that I did was probably at interestingly enough not it was not at the shop it was prior to that at a food festival that was i think it was a maybe a week or two before thanksgiving so i thought that that would be a great opportunity to do kind of some kind of thanksgiving flavor and i didn't want to do something basic and expected like pumpkin spice right so i thought all right let's go off the rails and it was a food festival so this is attracting to main foodies and people who are very experimental, which was really what I was into. Vanilla is not totally my language. So people who were willing to go out there, those were the people that I was like, yes, let me show you something. <laughs> so I decided to do, I called it the gobbler. It was a sweet potato marshmallow with cinnamon and turkey jerky. And it does not sound like it would go or work, but it somehow did. I think it kind of really sounds good to me. <laughs> oh, well then uh, you <laughs> should have been there. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, you could even leave the turkey jerky off for me, but that sweet potato <laughs> sounds great. It's like a sweet potato pie and a marshmallow, you know, sounds good. It was kind of that sweet and savory quality. The different textures there did, you know, hand roasting on site. So you could get this really great caramelization on the outside gooey. And then you do have those little bits of the turkey jerky in there. It was wild, but I was very proud of the people who were adventurous enough to try it. And in the shop, I was able to come up with more uh, concept 
So I did a s'mores taco and that ended up being a very popular item, even had couple copycats out there and I feel like you've made it if you get some weird random copycats in other states. Right. Um, <laughs> I'd rather they come up with their own ideas, but, <laughs> but thank you very much. And an ice cream cone, which was marshmallow that's shaped like a scoop of ice cream, but it's marshmallow, but then stuffed inside the marshmallow is a, uh, a vanilla ice cream bonbon. And you can toast that up and it goes on a cone and it looks like ice cream. So it's, it's kind of like it plays with your mind and you're like, what is this? Is it ice cream? Is it marshmallow? But then at the end of the day, it's just like, well, it's, it's dessert. It's so it's good. really just meant to <laughs> eat and enjoy. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is, you know, you talk about e-commerce, but you know, at the same time for a business like yours, I'm thinking, of all the things that kind of get lost in the translation of an e-commerce business, like walking into a shop and having the smells from the marshmallows and the different things and items you have in there. Because I would imagine that kind of helps sell, right? You walk in, smells really good, delicious. You're not really going to walk out without getting something or trying something. So I see how that atmosphere and having a retail environment in your type of a situation is probably a tremendous help to sales. And if you have the right team, cashier, front of house staff there too, who are engaging and are knowledgeable about the product and want to, to talk to the customers that are there too... It also adds for that kind of interaction to explain the product. You know, a lot of times people would have, we had a part of our training manual, you know, I had an FAQ section all based off of before I opened the shop, I, I was a one person operation doing food markets and food festivals. So I had that direct contact and communication. I was getting literal and figurative market research. So. Right. For me, I had been asked loads of questions from the obscure to the reasonable. And so I really used that as a baseline. And lo and behold, I mean, it wasn't very surprising to me. <laughs> a lot of those questions were all asked and they were like, yeah, no, I'm really getting asked these questions. I was like, oh, yes, I know. I've, I've been doing this on my own for a couple of years now. And, and I do know what the questions are. So that adds a layer to that in-person experience and engagement where somebody can poke around on a website, but as long as it's a very easy, user-friendly website, they can really get the information that they want. They can see the photos and things like that. But there is that added layer to an in-person experience that is super unique. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I want to talk about, tell us about, you were Food Networks, you won their Chop Sweets Champion in 2020. What did that mean to you? And what was the mindset that you need to win that show? Because Listen, I'm a fan. I watch it often. Our family watches a lot of the CHOP series, if you will. And it seems like it's a very stressful event. And I don't know if that's manufactured in production, but it seems like you walk in, you you know, given a basket, given a time constraint, it, it seems that you need to have a specific mindset to be there in the first place, number two, to be successful. And I think you have to have a whole nother level of mindset in order to walk away a champion like you did. So can you talk about that? Yeah, honestly, I was such a fan of the show. I want to say growing up, I was already in my late 
13. So I wasn't really growing up when Food Network and, and Chopped came out, but I loved that show. And I would get so stressed out watching it <laughs> and thinking, oh my God, they just got this, that, and the other ingredients. And how are they coming up with right. this? And what in the world? And, and it's timed and the clock is real. That is not manufactured. They do not stop the time. The clock ticks and that is all in real time. So it's not like, oh, pause and let's reset. <laughs> nope. You get the yeah. 30 minutes here, you get the 45 minutes there, and that is what it is. So so that is very, very, very much real. <laughs> so when the opportunity presented itself for me to be on there, which honestly, I really would have never thought. I never thought that I would be owning a food business. And then <laughs> to be able to compete on the show and then no less win it was just super, super wild. I don't think that there's anything that you can really do necessarily. I mean, look, that that's very subjective. I think maybe some people mentally prepare in certain ways or or they do certain things. For me, I really, over the past number of years... I make marshmallows, you know, and that's not, that's not the, the limit to what I can make, but that is a huge portion of my day to day. So Were if, marshmallows in any of your baskets No, at any point, would, no, no. Right? I mean, that would have been fun, not. but then they would have already been made. Right. And also with the time constraints, I could not make marshmallows right. in their purest of form anyway. So I knew that that was really off the table. So there are some episodes that are kind of crafted around certain industries, whether it be donuts or ice cream or butchers or whatever it is. So this is where these people get to really shine because this is their craft, right? I did not have that opportunity. I am not a classically trained pastry chef. So for me, I just had to rely on creativity, which I am a self-deprecating person, but I can, but I can confidently say that, that I do have that quality. And really the night before I was in my kitchen at the shop, and was like, okay, I'm just going to give myself a few different items to kind of just churn out and make and see how I can do. And I'll, I'll time myself. And I was feeling super, super, super nervous and very <laughs> ill-prepared. I had a moment of real stress and I was like, yeah, this is going to go terribly because the thing is too, it's, it's on national TV. So it's not like right. you can just hide and be like, ah, whatever. Sneak out the back door. Yeah. So... <laughs> So I was super nervous about that. But the next morning I woke up and I was like, I have two goals for myself. The first one is to have fun because if I can at least just really truly enjoy the, the opportunity and the experience because it's not something that everybody gets to do, something, something that everybody wants to do anyway, but I really did want to do it. And so I think just go on there, have fun and do your best. That was it. And so I just tried to take everything in. I was blessed with an amazing group of fellow competitors. And I think that that really put us all at ease as well. Just genuinely getting, we still are on a, a group text with each other <laughs> and we check in with That's each other. Great. But having that too, and the crew and production could not have been any nicer. They were amazing and really, they really want everybody to do well. It's a very well-run show. They are not looking, it's not like some other, you know, reality networks and they look for the drama, drama and to sabotage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I the drama is kind of created on its own. I think some people there kind of like it and they're like, maybe I'll get a little more airtime if yeah. I do that. But, but to me, I was just there truly to have fun and do the absolute best job that I could. That's great. And and as a side note, we had the creator of Chop, David Knoll, on our show. So uh oh, amazing. <laughs> kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a tie in there. But oh, um, wow. 
Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about is I noticed, you know, you seem very charitable, wanting to give back. In particular, I noticed you're a founding member of Dreamers and Doers. Can you tell our listeners what that organization is all about? So Dreamers and Doers is a private collective of entrepreneurial women. So it really truly is women with all different backgrounds. Some are business owners, some are top tier in Fortune 500 companies, some are creatives with these incredible side hustle projects that that they're trying to launch into the next huge amazing disruptive thing. So it's it's an incredibly diverse group, but people with a very similar purpose and vision, which is really to have a community of people for support. And that's truly what it is. And I think that having a lot of the differentiating backgrounds there kind of almost lends to a mastermind, if you will, where it's a really an open community where people can say, hey, and very open too, where people can be a bit more vulnerable because it is, you know, kind of like that safe space where people can turn to one another and say, hey, this is what I'm going through right now in my business. Has anybody else experienced this? What have you done? What can I do? You can share resources with one another. And it's not dissimilar from some other groups and organizations that I gravitate to and that I am in that are very community driven because I certainly would not be able to be doing what I have been doing with my company had it not been for reaching out and asking other people in the industry who were generous with their time, who were generous with their resources. And so if I could ever do anything and pay it forward in that same respect, I feel that's what you have to do. And I genuinely do enjoy helping other people and giving that information. Now, if you ask me for all of my proprietary recipes, I may not be that forthgiving, but I do believe in helping other people be successful. And I don't think that that's the kind of thing that becomes a detriment to you or, oh, if I give this person this simple information, they're going to, you know, shoot across. I don't come from that place. I think there's room for everything. There's room for everybody, but within bounds, do what you're comfortable with. But I think that I don't know. It just feels like the right thing to do to me. (laughs) I agree. Listen, we talk about it all the time here, you know, when we separate it and differentiate it by saying you either have an abundance mindset, like you're speaking of, where, you know what, there's enough business for all of us to go around. We're all going to be in our own little niche. There are going to be people that buy and like our products, and there are going to be people that buy and like yours. Some of them may not like mine, or they may like mine too and buy both of us. Who knows? But and then on the other hand, you have the scarcity mindset, which are the group of people that are trying to keep everything close to the vest. I'm not going to tell anybody anything because I want people to notice me and my business and I don't want to help or promote you. And I think that there's a big issue in my world. I feel like there's a big issue with that scarcity mindset because I feel like it's somewhat karmic that those that have the abundance mindset typically tend to do better in business and in life for that matter. So, I mean, you clearly have this abundance mindset, right? You clearly, I mean, do you think it goes beyond even just your business that it's important to you to have this kind of abundance mindset? I think that it's universal to me. I think that- How has it helped you having this kind of mindset? 
Well, I think just from a mental health perspective, it's, you know, I think it alleviates uh, probably a lot of, of pressure and stress. I am not a psychologist or a behavioral person, but what I would like to think is that by allowing yourself to want to help others and by alleviating that stress of, I need to be the absolute best. I cannot let any of this information ever get out, or I don't want to help these people because, and, and all of these if thens, you know, I think that that adds a lot of pressure on oneself as well. And so for me, I like being able to, you know, have, I even did like a spinoff series from Irate podcast when the pandemic was going on because there are enough other things to complain about rather than, and, and right. there weren't really a lot of people going out and being able to leave reviews. So that really, you know, I had to kind of pivot from that show's topic as well. And so instead I did a mini series called Squish Stars through the business and other entrepreneurial women that I knew that I wanted to showcase. And I do it because I enjoy it and I like it. And I think that there are people with great stories to share and great businesses to share. And it's not that I have this massive platform or anything like that. It's just, I may have an audience that maybe is not familiar with this person or that person, and then they can get introduced to that person. And to your point too, I think it is kind of, and I don't do it because of that, but I think that a good byproduct of that is is good karma. (laughs) And I think that it's that golden rule, right? You do unto others as you would want done unto you. So I've had people that were generous and gave me a platform on theirs. And again, I don't do it because I feel like I have to go through the motions and do that. I, I do it because I want to. Rising I think tides that that... raise all boats, right? If if you yeah, can raise your you neighbor, go. it just elevates yourself and makes you that much better. Yeah. I thought Squish Stars, uh, you know, Squish Stars campaign was very interesting because I see from what you do and who you help and who you kind of work with that you're very into, because you are one, female entrepreneurs. Why do you find it so important? And that's what you were really kind of showcasing with with the Squish Stars campaign was other female entrepreneurs. Why is it so important to you that, forget about other entrepreneurs, period, in your business, why is it important for you, or maybe it's the same reasons, to kind of help other female entrepreneurs be more successful in particular? Sure. To me, it feels natural in a way. I will not be dishonest and say that I think that for me, my success has been much harder because I've been a woman or I have not received opportunities because I've been a woman. I have not experienced now. I've also not uh, seeked investment and I hear <laughs> other mm-hmm. things contrary to what I'm saying, but I've not been in positions where I think that that, that is hindered. A hindrance any successes or any opportunities or anything like that. But we can really just clearly go back and look at the numbers and how crazy it is, the small level of women entrepreneurs that, well, no, I will not say women entrepreneurs, but business owners that there are because anybody can have an entrepreneurial spirit. But to be an actual business owner who is monetizing off of their business and whatnot the opportunities are less or they are afforded less to women. And I have plenty of male contemporaries who I uplift as well. And I rave about their businesses and they're my friends as well. But, you know, sometimes they may not necessarily 
need as much amplification as some other communities. And that can be dissected into to all sorts of then subsects as well. And with the podcast, I rate, uh, you know, that was absolutely a mix of all individuals, anybody who was a business owner, right? right? Didn't matter. But it is, it is important to me also to have representation from different communities because I don't think that everything should be so homogenous as well. And I think that stories are stories, but the storytellers are important as well. Mm-hmm. And so really, that's kind of really just what it boiled down to. For me, just giving a platform where I can, however small it is. (laughs) In your view, do you think things have improved, gotten worse, or stayed the same for female entrepreneurs or business owners? I would like to say that things are getting better. And I think that just like anything, it is always typically a gradual process. Nothing happens overnight. But I do think over time, there are progresses. And, you know, and that's just what you want to see. You want to see more of an equal playing field and you don't even want to have to think about it, honestly, and talk about right. it, about the disparity and why it is the way it is. It becomes almost like, why? What? Even in, I forget who said it, but ages ago, it was, I think, during the Academy Awards and talking about why is there a best actor and best actress category? It's not like, sports or something like that. It's it's the craft and the skill. If you had a, you know, an award for a painter, you wouldn't say the best female painter or the best man or best right. binary. Like paint it doesn't matter. Right. It's it's, you know, taking it as a whole. And so that for me is the important thing. We should really just be taking everybody and everything as a whole. And that's gonna take a while. Yeah. But I do think that incremental progress is Great. That's positive. And hopefully we just keep within moving an upward in the right projection. Way. Absolutely. Keep moving in the upward right direction, showing yes. that positive growth, right? And yes. a positive impact. And I think it's people like you and business owners like yourself giving back to other business owners that give other women, girls, et cetera, a platform to say, hey, if she can do it, you know, if she can own squish marshmallows, then maybe I could do something. If she can win chopped, then maybe I can, you know, and those are the things and those are the role models that we need to show. And that will help perpetuate and fuel that change in the right direction also. So thank you for sharing that. So tell us what's up next. What's the big thing on the horizon? Where are you going now, Catherine? What's up next for you? So I always have my hand in a few different pots. I never like to just have one singular project because I think it's fun to kind of touch base in different in different arenas. For me right now, I am developing a web series. So this is kind of in that same vein as the podcast, but this will be in a visual medium. And very similar to the highlighting other businesses and to my core and to my passion, it it will be within food and beverage. Okay. And I'm super excited about that. Again, putting my degree into use. (laughs) So, um, so, you know, it's kind of the melding of those two worlds together. And so this will be a really great passion project as well that I will be working on with a friend. So I'm super excited about that. So you can kind of expect to see some of the uh, the guests from the show's past here now in a, in a video format. And I 
am also, so I've always been a huge science person and science nerd. And I, I love that and science and cooking. So I'm also taking a food science course right now, which is kind of blowing my mind in the best way. <laughs> so stay tuned. You know, I might right. just be a really qualified food scientist in the future. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Sounds like you have some great things on the horizon. And it's been great speaking with you. And we end every show. This is the Midland Money Mindset by asking all of our guests the same question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Oh my. Honestly, for me, I kind of, I know this is not going to be a super exciting answer, but it is an honest one. Every morning, I do make it a point to just give a moment of gratitude. I think that it is so easy to take the smallest things for granted. And sometimes it's not until maybe you you go out and you pass maybe somebody who is less fortunate or who might not have an ability that you have. And so so every morning, it's super important to me, just a matter of seconds, just to be recognized and be grateful for the abilities that I have, for the things that I'm able to do. And for me too, that with like a little bit of morning meditation, that really just always puts me in a, in a good mindset and kind of just, even if I'm a little bit sleepy, <laughs> it, it kind of wakes me up and like your morning revitalizes coffee, right? me. It's all part of just like a little morning tradition that I think just kind of grounds you a little bit too and brings you back and whatever is ahead of you or happened to you the day before, you're still here, you're still kicking. And if, if you can do these things, then it's it's something to be grateful for. I think that is a fantastic way to start the day. And it never amazes me the answers we get because each one that we get is an inspiration in itself. So thank you for sharing that. And we'll have this information in the show notes, but if people want to reach out and get in touch with you or find you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So I, the kind of the hub of it all would maybe be my website, which is just my name. It's katherinesprung.com. And from there, I have all of my projects that I'm working on. You can follow me on social at I am sprung. And if you want to check out Squish, uh, that's squishmarshmallows.com. And on social media, it is squishmarsh, as in marshmallow. That's great. And uh, listen, I thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure having you on as a guest. We'll have to figure out if we're related somewhere down the line some other time. But thanks for joining <laughs> us and make it a great day. Thank you so much. I want to thank Catherine Sprung for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Catherine has taken her passions and combined it with her entrepreneurial spirit to create a successful career and life. Her passion for food and people can be seen at the core of who she is and what she does. Catherine's success is something she does not keep to herself and is there to share with other entrepreneurs, specifically women, and help them to succeed too. Catherine can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find her can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website 
or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.